Welcome to Hannibal's Horny Abachi and Season 3. We are a weekly dinner party that watches and discusses an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. Hi, I'm Celeste. I'm an artist, a nerd, and I'm new to Hannibal. Hi, I'm JJ. I'm a local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanable of the three. This week we watched And the Beast from the Sea, which first aired in Canada on August 13, 2015. This episode, Francis gives us the feels, both positive and negative. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. One thing I was surprised by, um, why is Jack so surprised to hear that Red ate the painting? It's not the weirdest thing he's ever heard. <laughs> like, that was surprising to me. Maybe he actually loves the art, <laughs> and he feels offended like I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, I, f- I feel like surprised him as he probably thought nothing in this world would surprise me anymore, and then it was like that surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> He's so. surprised at being surprised. Yeah, live a hundred years, and something will still surprise you. Well, well, yeah. After dealing with Hannibal and all the other killers before him, you know, it's like he, yeah, I think he genuinely thought nothing would surprise him, and then ah, uh, doesn't surprise. Him. Or, <laughs> it does, and it does. <laughs> Oh, but like one thing I really liked about Aladdin in this episode is when she tells Jack and Will, maybe he's trying to stop. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, this is why I think Francis is so sympathetic. You can see the struggle in him. And I think Jack is really heartless by throwing Will back into Hannibal's lair. Mm. Yeah, I like that Will like called him out on that too. What is that? The Fisher of Men. Fisher of Men, yeah, I wrote that down too. I love the way he said Jack's name. It was almost reprimanding. It's like, Jack Crawford. Pause. And then. Fisher of Men. <laughs> it almost felt like he was going to just say his name. Like, like Jack James Crawford. <laughs> How dare you? you know, I don't know what his Crawford. real name is. But I don't know what his real name is. But you know that thing that parents do? You know, when they say your full name? <laughs> and it's just like... Ah. Well, I'm the opposite. When my grandma would say my full name, it was just because she was happy. <laughs> so, oh. So, my parents would just go, Son. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think my parents said my whole name before out of anger or happiness. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I don't think my parents have ever said my full name. They just said your, you know, your name, right? But with like a hiss. With a tone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Jenna. And I'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> Run. <laughs> uh, but we can surmise that the events that follow are partly Jack's fault. Well, no, partly. Largely his fault. It's just been his fault since the beginning. It really has. (laughs) He's putting people in danger to stop others from being hurt, but the people being put in danger are Will's family, it seems like. Well, not yet. It's implied there. But I really hate this aspect of his character. He thinks he can protect Will and his family. And I'm like, what we've learned so far, you can't protect the people you love in this show. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm the depressing clap you're over here. <laughs> well, if he really wants to protect them, they should have put them under, like, you know, um, protection under the police while I, the will went away. Yeah, like, one thing that bothered me, though, is that, uh, well, they do that in um, in Red Dragon, the movie in the book, yeah. where they, they put um, his family into protective custody. But we see how adequate protective custody is when it comes to the dragon pretty soon. But um, it bothers me, though, because I'm like, um, Will could totally be taken off the case and, like, hidden with his family. But Jack is not allowing that because he knows that if Will goes off the case, they're not going to find in in time to stop him from killing somebody else. Yeah, well. It's kind of 22. We all know that Jack doesn't give a shit. <laughs> well, like, he does, but he also doesn't. He cares about <laughs> results. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Will wanted to do it, too. So. Yeah, that's true. And he does say that later, I think, in the next episode. He knew, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, which is, like, I, I hate that they're trying to blame others for their problems. Like, yeah, we can blame Jack, but Will ultimately put his family in danger. Because he wanted to get some hand. He got too close. Yeah, he got too close to the fire and he got burned. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I really love the line Francis tells Hannibal that his will and the will of the dragon were one until her. I think that's really sweet. Like, uh, like that they were on the same path so that you can see them both as separate characters and separate motivations. Mm. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, that whole um, um, uh, doctor-patient scene in the beginning there, I just, I thought that was so weird how, like, uh, Hannibal's, like, moving around and then he, like, whispers in uh, Francis's ear, but then nothing is said and they're still talking and I was just kind of like, okay, now we're definitely not in the real world. <laughs> we're definitely in someone's mind. 
and it's creepy up here. Well, I really need Hannibal to stop being the shoulder devil to everyone. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Go on, do it. <laughs> Reason number two. Look what I can do. <laughs> no, he's got a point. He's got a point. <laughs> Love it. But uh, I want to kill Hannibal for trying to convince Francis that it was the dragon who got Reba and Francis together, and Francis wouldn't have had the uh, the confidence to approach her on her own. And I'm like, that's kind of low, Hannibal. Like, it's like you asshole. It may have been true though, because he has like been more bold since he became the dragon. But still, that bothered me. I'm like, she likes it for him. Yeah, but he did make the first move though. I mean, he was the one who like. Like, you want to go for a ride? You want to come in my big white van? <laughs> well, she can't see. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She didn't see it was a big white van, but, um, you know. She qu- quite literally couldn't see the red flags, but, you know. <laughs> but Reba, I feel, was like a happy accident to him. Mm. And I kind of wish she had come along before the first murder. Because I think that, um, I think her being in Francis's life ha- could have and has stopped a lot of things. Like, yeah, before so. he went too far with his own dragon spiel. Yeah, exactly. It's just, but I really do love that scene. It's a really cool scene. But can you really guarantee that, though? I really feel like even if yeah. she did show up before, uh, she would have would have noticed something wrong and broke up, or he would have broke up with her, or she might have been his Possibly. first victim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's something that comes up because like a lot of serial killers that we find out now have had families. Like uh, BTK had a family. His daughter like actually wrote an article about her experience and like all the weird stuff that her dad would do and such. And mm-hmm. like, who else had a family? Gacy had a family. Uh, the Russian killer had a family. family. Yeah, so it's like it, it's n- it's not automatically stopping them. Mm-hmm. It just probably gives them something that they need for that moment until the until the bloodlust rises again. Mm-hmm. Mm. But one thing I wanted to point out: Francis saying Will is not handsome lets us know he is crazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. no, right? That's like one of those favorite things that I always see on Tumblr and people they have like ca- have these two captions, right? What Francis actually said there, it's like he's not very handsome but purposeful, and then it just shows Hannibal sitting there saying, "What the fuck did you say about my Will Graham? <laughs> but my little Graham cracker." <laughs> <laughs> and it just keeps just all this mumbling at the bottom. The it's like, <laughs> I know that's like so cute. That's one of those weird fan names that people say that the the you know fan fiction Hannibal does call him sometimes is his little grand cracker. I, I I adore that. It's so cute. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite part of the scene is Francis's face lighting up when he agrees with Hannibal and realizing the kills that killing Will's family will save Reba from the dragon. It's like he has a family. Yeah, save yourself. Kill them all. So obvious. Yeah, I put it right here. Sonya's fave quote. <laughs> my favorite quote in the book it is told to the dragon through the correspondence he and Hannibal have Will is close to catching Big Red so Hannibal gives Red's Will a, Will, gives Red Will's address so he can kill his family here it seems that the dragon makes a sacrifice in order for Reba to be with Francis so mm-hmm. it's like save yourself save save you uh, and kill Will's family because mm-hmm. Will's close I have a question yeah. so did uh, uh, did Hannibal make fun of the 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 the, the book then, <laughs> with uh, saying yeah, messages on toilet paper? paper and yeah, all I have that stuff. here. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? In the book, in the movie Big Red, they'd contact Hannibal through personal ads in the Tatler and on letters written on toilet paper, which Hannibal destroyed, except for the bits that had compliments on them. <laughs> so yeah, sounds he's like me. <laughs> So you can't get rid of him. So, but yeah, like in the movie and the book, he did write letters on toilet paper. Yeah. Mm. And I just, I just love how like I almost feel like the 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 TV show Hannibal is like, nah, I'm above that shit. <laughs> it's like it might have been cool twenty years ago. But just call like, me on the phone. <laughs> I just, I just thought that was really cute. Like it, it was. What I love is how the TV show updated. Mm-hmm. Hannibal in that respect and the fact that he's even fucking aware of social media which will come up come up later <laughs> I just, or like it'll come up later he says something about a mic mic drop yeah that's much later but anyway <laughs> just the fact that he even fucking knows that is just like this is an updated Hannibal, and I love it. <laughs> well, we know that he has to keep up with certain things, and, like, I, I think that social media is its own social convention, so, of course, he has mm. to know about that as well. He, he at least has to be aware of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the moral of the show, never break up with Hannibal, or he'll kill your family. <laughs> I thought the moral of the show is do not be rude to him ever. <laughs> <laughs> don't trust anyone. That's true, too. Yeah, don't be rude. <laughs> I love that line, though, and uh, after... Uh, Dee's watching 
Molly and Walter on film. That, oh, whole, that yeah. whole scene is just creepy just because yeah, Reba's sitting there like all like so com- cute. So and, cute like, and yet cute. so ignorant. It's like he's completely exploiting that she is blind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really hate that we get to see Francis went to Molly's house. That freaks me out. Yeah. yeah and like, it's just like I know we want to feel feels for, for Francis, but I don't. That's one reason there. It's is because he, he exploited her, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like how evil is that? <laughs> you know, to exploit someone's disability. Like well, that. I went from like on to angry in like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like it seemed cute and then when you saw what so he was watching, watching it yeah. was like, you <laughs> But it is my belief that every killer on the show has a sick-ass coat. Yeah, uh, the jacket Francis is wearing when he stalks Molly and Walter. Wally is amazing. Oh yeah, that leather coat. Yeah, I love the collar. I also really love that the um, the black the bat wing leather wings that the red dragon wings have is also how and they always put Francis into leather jackets to like ex, like uh, example that it's it's really cool. Like mm. I, I really like that design choice. It's really cool because yeah. he only ever wears a leather jacket when he's hunting. It's so demonic. It. But then that conversation between uh, Will and Hannibal and uh, Will says, uh, I'm not Fortune's fool. I'm yours. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you are. <laughs> and just, uh, Hannibal just does not stop being a little fucking bitch. An asshole. He's both a bitch and an asshole. And like, I got so angry at him in this episode. <laughs> I know, right? And he's just like, it's like, they're not my family, Will. And I'm not letting them die. You are. And it's like, you motherfucker. Like in the last well, episode, right. he refers Will as family. So mm-hmm. wouldn't technically Will's family be his family? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's really, like his well, stepfamily, I guess. He, he didn't follow normal conventions anyway. Like, that's how extended family becomes your family is if you believe in that shit. If you don't, then then they're not your family. <laughs> but I hate, uh, so if we're going to get on the Francis hate train, I hate him for hurting the dogs. That's the yeah. part that I was like, fuck him, like he dies. So, <laughs> well, that's um, usually where it starts, right? You yeah, know, if he you, has to kill the pets first. If you hurt animals and you don't feel a thing, then I think that's a precursor. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's one of the triad for psychotic behaviors. If you're a kid and you either pee the bed a lot and light fires and hurt an animal, you're most likely to grow up to be Ted Bundy. So. Oh, I totally forgot to mention this in the previous episode. Um, that line when Bedelia is talking about the, the bird mm-hmm. and saying her first instinct was to crush it. I was like, that's uh, when I'm awake, my first instinct is Will's, is to help it because it's vulnerable. But when I'm dreaming and I see injured animals... It's actually half my instinct is to, like, I remember lots of childhood dreams where I saw injured birds and I would step on them. Yeah. In my dreams. <laughs> In my dreams. Or I remember one time dreaming about a, a dog and it was hurting and I was trying to help it. And it wouldn't let me help it. Scrambling too much. So my instinct was to pick it up and slam it against a post. Yeah. And then I woke up and I cried. Because <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's wrong with me? <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have any dreams like that much anymore. That might be telling for what I was feeling in my youth, in my youth at some point. But I well, do distinctly symbol- remember like, that. Dreams uh, and dreams, things don't usually mean what they what they what they appear as. So yeah, they yeah. Mean something else. Because like, um, I'm like a total baby when it comes to things like that. Because like, I can't even pick the bad choices in video games. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like if I have to be mean to somebody, I can't. Like, or um, if you're absolutely mean to them, and you're like, <laughs> oh shoot, then you like instant regret. <laughs> like, there's a scene in Bloodborne. Um, I hadn't done something real quick, and like, you're supposed to send non-playable characters to these either a church or a clinic for their safety but I hadn't set up the church in the clinic yet and so this woman's asking me for help and I'm and my only option is do nothing and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back for you old lady <laughs> just looks so sad mm. but yeah just like um Molly is really adorable this scene, but I really hate that she can't see what's coming. <laughs> it's like, no. Which scene? Isn't that, like, the scene where they're at the vets. Like, oh, she's like, yeah, mm. yeah, and they didn't see the, the FBI warning on yeah, the Yeah, and the To be dog. fair, it is very poorly lit in that vet, veterinary <laughs> office. They're just usually, use, literally using the light from the window. Yeah, the vet should know better, too. Yeah, like, so that's, like... like Every clinic should have that. That's why they, all the clinics have that sterile lighting. So when patients come in, they can see what's wrong right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If they can't see it, then that that's when they ask. But it, that's why clinic lighting looks the way it does. <laughs> Just putting that out there. 
and then, um, they have a lot of dogs too. Yeah, it's like paint. Yeah. And like, it must be super expensive to bring all of them to the. <laughs> Did they say previous episode how many dogs they? Had? I think you can roughly assume they'd probably have ten. It was something like ten, right? Yeah. Or it became like twelve. Or there was the one dog that Molly brought, and then there's the new dog that Will has. Yeah, it's from the family, yeah. Which, uh, just to, so we know, uh, most legal, uh, most towns uh, hoarding animals, you have to have eight or more. The eight is the limit for hoarding, so just so you know, I looked yeah. that up. Yeah. But in the, but the whole scene is reminding me of our talk on the East Area Rapist from last ep- uh, from a few episodes ago. Mm. Like uh, they, uh, a lot of people were like, "Well, how come the dogs didn't react?" And usually, people assume from the forensic evidence that the dogs were either given food or he had built up um, a relationship with the dog so that when they saw him, they wouldn't freak out. Mm. So it's like, oh, creepy. Like, damn it, you dogs. Like, uh, don't... Like, Betrayal. <laughs> train me like that. <laughs> like I was reading um, Michelle McNamara's book, and there's actually a bit where the, do- um, the dog is in the room during the, the assault, and the woman, after the hysteria rapist leaves, she looks at her dog, and she's like, well, you were a big help. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like so like, I'm like, whoa. And the dog just fell asleep next to her. Wow. <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> Betrayal. <laughs> Oh, but I gotta say this again. Hannibal's hair looks really, really good. I really love his hair in this episode. He does look good. Even in that plain jumpsuit. It's just like, it looks like any minute he's gonna fix my plumbing. <laughs> and it's like, yes. But he's gonna do over. a lot of unnecessary things. <laughs> Get on the ground. <laughs> like lunges. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just the mental image of that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, wait, drop my phone. Hold on. Oh. Oh, but since we're getting to um, the whole... Uh, the big scene? The, the big scene of uh, Red Dragon attacking uh, Molly and Walter. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question. And I, I was hoping would uh, start a discussion. Is how did Molly know? Like, later on, we find out it's because she said she saw that Will was in the paper. So she was. I guess she was just on edge. Mm-hmm. But still, like... How did she know? When you wake up, usually your first instinct is to belittle those feelings of alert and go, well, that's probably just it's probably just the dogs, or it's probably just this. You know? Well, maybe it could be a the, bird. You the know? dogs are gone. So well, she's that's right. Yeah. Okay. She's, I think it, the big one was probably the dogs being gone. Mm. Also, the fact that she knows that um, the re- big red... Um, families mm. and since will is becoming the target of red most likely i would rather make a fool of myself and be safe and like assume it was just a ups guy coming well, well yeah. exactly <laughs> like usually everyone's instinct is to downplay the danger because you feel ridiculous for being alert mm-hmm. excuse me especially when you go and actually investigate i have a few times gotten up and just double checked because i've heard noise made sure my door was locked which it was windows are locked blah 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 and then you feel stupid right it's like but like, uh, what I wanted to ask was, um, uh, so Molly knew. She got up right away. She was quiet. She went and got her son. So do you think Will prepped her? and Or did Will choose Molly because she already had these instincts? I think Will yeah. chose her because Is it she why they are together? The same knowledge of uh, and weariness of the world. Um, well, if we can assume, well, no, um, and they actually say aloud that uh, Molly's first husband, like uh, Wally's father, was killed in something. So I'm assuming. Oh, okay. Because like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I I think he was a cop. Like I can't remember exactly. So please correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that um, I think we can assume by her preparedness that something happened to her in the past. Yeah, that's like what that's what I was wondering. Now. Like, and then I was wondering, is that one of the reasons that Will is even with her? Is because um, it's just this feeling that that he could trust to leave her alone. And, and she take care of herself. She could take care of herself and her son, which she did do. So, but yeah, I wrote in here: being married to Will makes her wise to fucking creeps. <laughs> that too. Like she's probably aware of his past and all this stuff, so she's just even more aware. But it's just like it's also like uh, I was just wondering if this is one reason why they're together is that both um, have these hyper aware instincts of uh, danger in the world, and that's it. Why. Might be. It might be the love of dogs, though. <laughs> it really could be something as simple as the love of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it I was think, just a thought. Um, like a big part of it too is, uh, like a parent instincts to protect their young. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I think um, if Molly had been on her own, this probably wouldn't have happened, and she would have been killed. But I think because her kid is there, 
Mm. Uh, not to be, like limit everything down to being a mom, but I think that that hyper activates certain aspects in her in her psyche that wants to make sure that her son isn't hurt. Mm. And so, like, I think that's a big thing. Also, it's like I, she really handled it like a fucking champ. I like, know I she was, was awesome. And stuff. Like she wasn't like she wasn't letting her fear get the best of her. I know she was super calm. Yeah. Right? Despite the fact that there's a crazy guy running around her fucking house. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. Well, I think most people's instincts is to hide, right? Yeah. So that's why I like, that's just adding another, you know, uh, good uh, check for Molly. is just her entire instinct and the way she, like, woke up her son, you know, and it's like, it's okay. Like, yeah. And, like, who says, you know, wait by the car and count to 100? You know, like, it's just. I guess so, huh? It almost feels like something similar happened in the past. Or after something happened in the past, she learned what's one of the best ways. Like, like I said, it, it, she just suddenly became like this really super capable woman that we just didn't think she she's would do. She's a survivor. Yeah, yeah. She has this really uh, interesting inner life that we don't get to see, sadly. Yeah, like I think if the show had gone on longer, they would have taken their time with the Red Dragon uh, storyline, and we would have learned what her background was. But yeah. In the book and the movie, um, Will does um, train her in how to use a firearm. Yeah. So, like, there is that whole scene because, like, at the end of um, at the end of the movie, she is capable of using it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, it's something a bit strange because it's, um, like, how did she know? Like, cause, yeah. yeah, like, like, I'm total, like terrible like uh i'm really terrified of things like when my sister's not in my apartment if i hear something i will check every closet even though i know i haven't left the house mm-hmm. i'm like okay i'm gonna make sure because if i don't check and something happens i only have myself to blame <laughs> <laughs> and it's just dumb because i'm like i think it's it's also uh i don't want to say it's just being a woman but like being a woman involves that hyper awareness of certain oh yeah things. for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like do i go down the dark alley or do i take the longer way i'll take the longer way sort of things mm-hmm. and so it's just like it's pretty cool that this whole scene happened, even though it was one of the scarier scenes in the show. And, mm-hmm. like, and well, yeah, yes. like, like I said, she was super calm. And then when they got under the 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 porch, the thing. porch, yeah, the fact that like she caused a distraction and then you know, came here and then pushed the the the, the rape alarm. <laughs> that's what I call it. That's not what it is. But that's panic alarm. <laughs> panic alarm. That's what my husband calls it. Sorry, <laughs> I get that from my husband. He's just so fucking. Oh, sorry. Oh. Pause. Oh, it's coming. So I get it from my husband. He calls it the rape alarm because that's what you could use it for, right? To alert mm. people. Mm. But you know what I found too? It's also a little like, okay, two, th- two thoughts here. So I'm very impressed that she used that alarm to distract him. And then sure enough, you know, they go running down the walkway. And yeah, that, that was stuff, pretty so. clever. I like that. Like, yeah. uh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Did anyone else lose their shit when Molly got shot? Because I totally forgot about that scene. I, I, I remember she does get shot because I remember she has to be in the hospital for something. And I was like, doesn't she get shot? And then like a second later, bam, bam. I'm like, oh, well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to say is that this is the first time I was actually like super scared from the show. Like my heart was beating oh, so yeah. fast. Like. It was actually a scary movie, like a horror movie that I was watching, and I was like, I was so scared for them. Well, like, certain things, like, um, certain things, like, scary movies and haunted houses and stuff like that are, like, you can always desensitize yourself to them, but the fact that this is taking place in her home, where you're supposed to be the most safe, Mm. that scares me more than anything. Like, that's why the Golden State Killer was so freaky, because, like, the idea Mm. of someone, like, or BTK breaking into your house and, like... Or you're supposed to be the most safe, or you like your bra's taken off and you're just hanging out, you know what I mean? Like you're just playing bloodboard and all of a sudden some guy like comes <laughs> up behind you and hits you in the head, you know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. is like, terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so this whole scene is like one of the scariest scenes in the show for me. This oh yeah, for so, sure. Such a like a primal fear. Mm. Better than the movie. Exactly. It's so creepy this movie. But well, yeah, but um yeah, Molly's is so cool though. And the scene, like I like mad respect for her. Like she definitely <laughs> Like, why is all the women in this show, like, super so cool. cool? Yeah, exactly. And it's a show written by men. I was so surprised by that when I looked it up. Kudos to those dudes. Yeah, they're woke. They're woke guys. <laughs> but in the movie, um, Molly's woken up by something, and then, it, like, at the door is just her son, and then the SWAT team descends. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, like, this scene's a lot better. So I love it. Uh, uh, big props to them. But this is a good place for me to segue into this week's segment. <laughs> so this week's Under the Table True Crime segment focuses on Mary Vincent. So it was a hot afternoon in Berkeley, California on September 29, 1978, when Mary Vincent, age 15, decided she was going to run away from home. 
Her parents were going through a divorce and she needed some time alone. L.A. was the destination she decided. She was a promising dancer, having worked front stage at the Little de Paris in Vegas, as well as in Australia and Hawaii. She began hitchhiking to her destination. In Ber near Berkeley, a blue van rolled to a halt. Behind the wheel was former merchant marine seaman, Lauren Singleton, a relatively unsuspecting-looking man that looked like your average grandfather. He told her with a kind smile that he had a daughter just about her age. He told her he'd be heading to Reno, but would happily change his course drastically to take her to L.A. He was a middle-aged, balding, appearing amidable enough, so she got into the van. Hmm. Almost right away, things began to feel a little off inside of the van. As Vincent lit up her cigarette, she sneezed, and Singleton reached out over to feel her neck, asking if she was sick. Mary didn't like the physical contact and pulled out of reach, but soon drifted off to sleep when he didn't try anything further. She even offered to help him carry some laundry at a stop along the way before nodding off, thinking that nothing was wrong. When she woke up, she realized that they were way off course, heading back to Nevada. She was from Vegas. Hmm. Scared for the first time, she found a long, long, sharp stick in the car, which she pointed at Singleton. She demanded he turn around and take her to where she was headed. Singleton, calm as ever, turned around and apologized, saying that he was an honest man who had just made a mistake. I'm not going to hurt you, he said to soothe her, and Mary relaxed. At some point, Singleton said that he needed to get out to relieve himself, so Vincent decided to get out and stretch her bed as well. However, as she leaned down to tie her shoes, Singleton struck her by surprise. He beat her across the back of the head, punching her until she fell. Then Singleton uh, her and told her not to scream or he'd kill her. He told her to obey him if she wanted to live. He then bound her hands behind her and drove for a while. Eventually, he came to a stop, cut her hands free, and ordered her to drink some unknown alcohol from a plastic jug. Woozy and confused, Vincent was raped again and again until she eventually passed out. When Vincent regained consciousness, Singleton was still there. He ordered her to lie on the edge of the road as she pleaded with him to set her free. He began saying, you want to be free, I'll set you free. And as he went to the van to find something, as he went to the van to find something, he returned with a hatchet. Mary struggled as Singleton held her down and cut off her right arm in three blows. She screamed as he moved on to the other arm, severing this one in just two strokes, right below the elbow. Some think she did this so that her body would have no fingerprints if found. He then shoved the naked and bleeding girl down and embankment into a culvert. He stuffed her into a concrete pipe and told her, okay, now you're free. He left her there unconscious, probably assuming that the poor girl would die from her vicious wounds. When Vincent retained, regained consciousness, she was in a truly bad state. She was at the bottom of a ravine, bleeding profusely, alone, and was naked. She summoned the energy and rolled her elbows in the dirt to coat the wounds and stem the bleeding, and scrambled back up the cliff. The sound of traffic guided her through the darkness towards the freeway where she walked naked with her arms raised, as the court report said, so that the muscles and blood would not fall out of her arms. Upon reaching the freeway, the first people who spotted her sped away in fear. However, a second couple who had been traveling on vacation did stop to help her. They wrapped her in towels and drove her to a nearby airport where she, they called an ambulance. The first word she managed to say after her deal was simply, he raped me. She was rushed to the hospital where she was able to provide a detailed description of Singleton. The composite sketch was so realistic that Singleton's neighbor recognized him and called police immediately. In March 1979, a San Diego jury convinced Lawrence Singleton of kidnapping, mayhem, attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation. The teenage victim, now fitted with prosthetic arms, was there. Mary said, when he was done testifying and I was leaving the courthouse, I had to pass him just inches away, and I hear him say to me, if it's the last thing I do, I will finish the job. When Mary survived, she, while Mary survived, she didn't feel like a survivor. At home, she was having trouble with her family, still had the desire to rebel, and felt isolated at her specialized school for the handicap. She moved away as soon as she graduated and became very, and became very secretive about her life and location, so that she could never be found. She was also so traumatized and depressed that she had become anorexic, had trouble leaving the house, and saw many of her close relationships fall apart. She ended up living in fear for years. When she was younger, she wanted to be a dancer, but her dreams were dashed when pieces of her leg had to be used to reconstruct her arms. Eventually, she became a mother of two boys. From there, her life began to change for the better. She began to heal, she established close relationships, and her new family became her life. Vincent also began to paint and draw and sketch. 
It has brought her joy as well as a new direction for her life. Some of her works are valued at more than $3,000. She's happy with the fact that she has mostly moved past the label cast on her while Singleton was still alive. As she puts it, most people know me because of who I am, not just because of what happened to me. They just assume I was born this way. Singleton died in prison after killing another woman, and uh, he died of cancer, so it was a really painful way to go, so yay! Yeah, <laughs> so that's good. I thought it was going to be like a sad ending for but, her. Yeah, but he got out of prison like <laughs> eight years after this happened, mm. and so like that's why she went into hiding. But yeah, like, he was a terrible man. But yeah, she was so badass. I can't believe she used mud to cauterize her own wounds. I know, right? Who thinks of that? Mm-hmm. You know? To, ha- like, come back to yourself enough to kind of go, okay. I want to live. I want to live. What do I got to do? Bleeding. What do I got to do? I got to cover it up. You know, like, who ha- who has that kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, this is what I got to do. But sometimes when you go into shock, that's half the reason your body goes into shock is to just calm you. Yeah, because so you're, like, you can, freaking out too much, yeah. So that you can do something, so... Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that either. Yeah, me neither. I didn't know you could do that yeah. with her. But mm-hmm. now I know. Hopefully I don't need it. But, <laughs> but it'll be in your mind from now on. Knock on wood. Let's get there. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had been Will in this episode and gone to the hospital where Mar- uh, where Molly ended up, I would have killed Jack myself. Like, that was his fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Jack deserves to die for a lot of reasons, but I would have killed him. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <clears throat> It's that whole conversation between Will and Walter is just so, it's both so sad and also uncomfortable just by, you know, just like, yeah, Walter's like, are you going to kill him? And Will's like, no, essentially says no. And then it's, it's like, you were in a mental hospital. Is that true? And it's like, yeah. Does that bother you? And then it's, and then Walter's like, you should kill him. Should kill him, yeah. yeah but like, mm-hmm. what I found interesting in that whole conversation is like, there's more detail in there, but Will basically, um, says, yeah, I was in a mental institution, but then I got out. Does that bother you? Because I married your mom. And Bill said, you know, I'm not going to kill him. We're going to put him in a mental hospital and try and make him better. But it's almost like this weird thing where Walter's like... What's the point? Yeah. Kind of. like It's like, obviously not all mental people can be fixed. Mm-hmm. They still cause death where they go and harm. You should kill him. So it was almost like this weird commentary, if not... Maybe Walter didn't mean it, but that's what it felt like to me. Like what? what he was saying, all mental people should stay where they are and not come <laughs> up or kill them. Because, you know. Well, in just... his defense, Will was in a, in a mental hospital against his will. <laughs> so, yeah, but like, minus all those details, like, we all know what actually happened. Mm-hmm. But like, because he read it in a Freddie Lowndes thing, it's all completely warped and it's, you know. Excuse me. Um, so from where Walter's sitting, like, my new dad. Is a, form, is, is, like a former, is a former crazy guy. Mm-hmm. And enough harm followed him where he went. So you shouldn't put this other crazy guy in there. So well, it almost feels like a weird commentary that I thought was just really sad. And I felt it was, I felt bad for Will. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, well, he's just a kid too. And like, yeah. very, they have very simple minds. Like, there's a bad guy, you know, he should die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you hurt my mother, you should die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I just felt so bad. Just, I also felt bad for Will when he goes back to... Jack and he says I had to justify myself. Which is eleven like, year old. Which pissed me <laughs> off because I'm like, his mother was just nearly killed by a guy you were trying to find. It's mm-hmm. your fault. Yeah, like because it's um the old. I used to be in a mental hospital. Father and son talk. I'm like, uh. but I, think, <laughs> I think Walter Father was right. Son talk. <laughs> like every dad has it. <laughs> but it's really awkward. But it's I am with Wally. Wally is right. Mm. Like, and there's a point where. People are be well. It makes me sound like a freaking Republican. There's a point where people are beyond help. <laughs> so, but I think in Dragon's case, it is like because he is not going to get better. I feel it, and we see that happening. He like mm-hmm. even with Molly or even with Reba, he is not getting better. Like I know we started this episode saying that he could have been better, but like we see that he isn't. You well, said he that. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn that into that a week. That was an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think he could have gotten better, but he's just been spiraling down this red dragon path that just there's no coming back from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really think too with uh, with all the killings. I think had he made it to other things in the future, had he gone to court, I think the red dragon probably would have gotten uh, many life sentences for every single life that he took. Yeah, I think so. 
Regardless, I think they probably would have sent him to prison rather than a mental institute. Some people, his lawyer, a future lawyer, might have advocated for a mental institute, but I really think. Well, uh, Dahmer did end up in prison, so he didn't yeah. end up in a hospital. Yeah. Exactly. I, I really think just would have ended up in prison. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, to go from a completely serious topic, shout out to Mary's uh, Molly's hair bun for staying in place through an attempted murder and emergency surgery. <laughs> I, know, right? so I know her hair stayed the same, right? <laughs> That's probably the only thing that kind of bugs me sometimes in these TV shows is somehow the lady's hair always stays immaculate. Whereas I remember that's something that for a guy who doesn't have any hair, my husband always notices stuff like that. <laughs> he's like, I don't think so-and-so's hair would still be good. So he always gives props when he sees in films where he's like, look how disheveled they look. Awesome. Or like, look how dirty they are. Or he'll say like, they've been out in the sun for like three hours. Look how blistered their face looks. That's great. <laughs> you know, like he, he always notices little stuff like that. And he says, it's he likes the, the little details. Yeah. It makes it more believable yeah. or else you get distracted by like, how does so-and-so still look good? That's why I don't like the walking dead because like the girls are fucking like, Oh, don't even get me started yeah. on the walking dead. That was half the reason my husband stopped watching you is because he said, um, somehow they always magically have gas for the, all their vehicles. They always <laughs> manage to have food. You know, or every wound that isn't a zombie wound can still be, you know, mm -hmm. fixed somehow. Somehow they have just enough medicine, just enough bandages, you know, and it's like, or they magically have power in all these places that they go to. And the ga the grass is always clipped. Like, I hate yeah, that. Right? Like, but mostly he says it's, uh, everything else he says he can let slide. There's always a weird reason, he says, but not gas. Gas should be gone by this point Speaking in the of fanfic, I did read a fanfic where Hannibal and Francis got together. And there's a secret basement in Hannibal's house where they start living, right? And the gas was bad and, and threw for his generator, so that's what it reminded me of just now. Sorry, I just didn't bring that I up. think that the video games are more accurate in that aspect, because yeah. gas is very limited in the games. Mm -hmm. That is, like, people actually fight to the death over it. Mm -hmm. That's what Mad Max is basically about. Like, how mm -hmm. people, like who, who has the gas is basically the person in charge, or, or in the, the case of Fury Road, who has the water is mm -hmm. the person in charge. Like, he even trades for gasoline by giving them a tanker full of water and uh, breast milk. Like, it's, like, I think a lot of people don't realize how precious water is. Like, mm -hmm. well, as Native people, of course we do, but, like, people, yeah. yeah, people don't realize how bad things are gonna, like, it's basically gonna be Mad Max soon if people don't start, you know, like, taking care of things. Like, mm -hmm. damn it. Like, <laughs> I personally think we'll probably either, like, uh, not starve, but we either uh, go from dehydration and heat or we'll go from, uh, uh, like, some kind of poisoning just because there's less green stuff in the world to help balance out the the gases and toxins, you know, in the atmosphere and all that. So mm -hmm. I always feel like we'll either get burnt or we'll, you know, inhale something and die. <laughs> I think we're going to go from uh, nuclear, nuclear um, either some sort of accident. Get all depressing, Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, but yeah, not the happiest show. <laughs> but Hannibal reading in his bed was so damn pretentious for me. Like, stop posing. No one's watching you, asshole. I know, right? <laughs> and what is with his bed? It looks like a chase lounge. You know, like it's like <laughs> it's one of those posy ones. <laughs> but just to back up for a second, I just wanted to say, like, I found it interesting after Will's conversation with uh, Walter. My first instinct was to be mad at Jack, mm -hmm. but then I was like. I just got deterred from being mad at the real person. That's Hannibal because he was the one who put the put the, the idea in his head. Put the uh, yeah, put the idea in the Red Dragon's head. So it's like no, I was still angry at him. Oh yeah, I'm still mad at Jack. He plays his part in it. <laughs> no, course. I mean like Hannibal. Like, oh. I didn't even get mad at Jack. Like I was oh. kind of like weirded out that he was with um, his son, even though you know still be there. Comfort the kid. Yeah, yes. comfort the kid. So it's not natural but still he kind of like caused everything but I still wasn't like that mad at him but because in the back of my mind I knew that Hannibal caused all this mm, that's true and I put in here crazy alert I'm kicking my ass do you mind <laughs> <laughs> sorry I was drinking a soda when I did that sorry <laughs> I thought nothing Nothing says crazy like beating yourself up by thinking your alter ego slash imaginary friend is doing it. <laughs> it gets crazier every time you see him. Yeah, <laughs> know, right? It's, it's like, just, man, it's, it's just it's escalating going, from here. Going more and more down the rabbit hole, and I don't think he'll come out again. <laughs> he needs a bubble bath. <laughs> oh, but Hannibal looks so damn proud of himself. I just love it. The show is a roller coaster of love and hate for me because I went mm. from loving Will to hating Will to hating Alana to loving. Alana, 
Hannibal hating Hannibal, but thinking he's funny in prison. <laughs> so, mm. I would be his pen pal. <laughs> so, uh, but one of my favorite shots in the show is how Francis appears in the film processing room where the wings of the dragon reveal him. Mm. And, like they are trying to remind him who he belongs to. I really like that. It's so cool. Plus, uh, Richard Armitage is pretty attractive, so I'm like, yeah. Yeah, in that moment, I kind of... <laughs> Well, it's not really bad for uh, for the Red Dragon or Francis. I felt bad for Reba in that breakup scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like she really thought like there was something there, and then it's like, aw. <laughs> One question I want to ask. Well, she felt like a burden, too, mm-hmm. when he broke up with her. Like, she kind of assumed, even though it wasn't that at all. Yeah. But one question I wanted to ask you, is he really afraid he's going to hurt her, or did he want to continue on his path to being the dragon? I think he was afraid to hurt her. That's what I felt. I think both, because you know how it is when you know your life was going a certain way, and then you get struck by Cupid's arrow, and it's like it's, it's I don't want to call it a distraction because it's a happy distraction, but you know when you were on your way from like you thought I have a map, I'm going this way, and then <laughs> love got, gets in the way, and it's like okay, we're gonna divert our path slightly. <laughs> I'm still going this way just to show you love, and then love is like nope. You're going this way. And it's like, shit. <laughs> so I think it's like a mix of, yeah, don't want her because I care about her, but also a mix of like. It's getting into my way of my plan. It's like I had a purpose because now if you have an extra person in there, you got to make your purpose work now with a new person in your life. Wow, that sounded deep. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean for that too. Put it on the card. <laughs> yeah. But no, exactly. Like now if you bring another person in your life, now you have to uh, adjust your plans to make them fit in there. Exactly. And to also you also have to take their needs into consideration. What do they want to do in life? So now it's a it's a, a quid pro quo, you know, you just row bro. Tit for tat. it also has to be a partnership. You know, you both have to be equal and it's just and I, that's it's hard to do. So I think he was also afraid of actually putting in the work. Putting not like yeah, I guess putting in the work, but also just you don't know if it'll work out. That's also he's also trying to avoid the hurt. So it's best if he breaks up with her first. Man. Well, didn't they say the? Well, he said the dragon wants her. Mm. Is that like wants her dead? Yeah, wants her dead. Wants her dead. Yeah. So it's basically he's conflicted between the dragon and Reba. <laughs> yeah, I know that's the way they do it. Yeah, but I, I, was, I was I was just more talking to about his human side if he has any left. I think that's why they, <laughs> I think that's why they portray Reba as the woman a woman caught in the, with the sun, like because she in the in the painting like they're both figures in that painting, and mm. I really like that 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 um, that reference because I don't know if it's intentional or not, but the idea that they're both seemingly at odds with each other in that painting. Hmm. really speaks to the relationship between Dragon and Red, or uh, Dragon and Reba. Because hmm. it's something that's um, that's really interesting to me. I really love the, the use of that in the show. Like, it's really cool. But yeah, I love how this podcast is about, is about Hannibal first, but about also sexuality and, like, relationship advice. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird the different, different avenues we go into. Like, just talking well, about like, last time we, like, hung out after a podcast, we, like, talked about relationships and love for, like, half an hour. <laughs> True. I was like, oh, we should have recorded that. It's <laughs> like so we should also be a podcast yeah. of love advice. <laughs> love advice podcast. <laughs> so, which is stupid because I like I've only had like one major relationship, but still, I think that taught me a lot about things. Like mm-hmm. I love dating too, but yeah, just like Winnipeg is in a babe drought right now. Like there's no good looking <laughs> people anywhere. Well, there's, there is, but there's nobody I want to date. So mm-hmm. it's like, ah. <laughs> So, but I wanted to, uh, does Hannibal do nothing but stand perfectly still in his cell at all times? I think they tell him to stand there, really. It's like, stand there or we'll, you know. We'll shoot you. We'll shoot you. <laughs> so, for his own safety, really. He just stands there. Because uh, how, how long is the reach of that fucking mace that they have? Probably pretty far. Probably really far. Depending on the mace, I hear it can sometimes shoot as far as 10 feet. Oh, but it depends, wow. it depends on the can, what's in it, and the, you know. And it'll actually just like, and so you have to steer clear. You got to hold that shit right, or else it'll just. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put it in your food, like Homer Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, um, eternal love for Richard Armitage for maintaining his Francis lips lips during the uh, emotional scene with Reba, like because that would be freaking hard to maintain. Like he had the lisp during the whole time, so that's really cool. No, he didn't. He had it most of the time. (laughs) That was one of the first thing I noticed. I noticed it for like. 
There's like three or four words he says in there. He lost the list. And I was like, oh. And then he went back to it. I was like, there you go. But sometimes they probably asked him to, like me personally as a director and probably because I'm married to a sound person, I would have asked, can you give me a take where you don't have a lisp just for clean audio? <laughs> like they obviously made it work. They, they mixed it up just enough. So it was there. But I did distinctly hear him say words very clearly. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, just me. I, it's like, I know this messes with your character a little bit, but can you just give it give it to me without the lisp for a second? Like, pretend the power of the dragon gave you the ability to talk normal. Oh, go. <laughs> pepper spray. Hold on, yeah. I'm trying to find out. Uh, go. Pepper spray. Hold on. Ooh. It's called the knockout punch. That's cool. I'm just trying to find uh, some pepper spray stuff. But that scene was so emotional. It's just like, oh my god. Like, I was so sad. Mm. It's like, oh. But I like, uh, I wrote uh, a quote here from Hannibal that I was like, that seems like a good life quote. Should stitch that on a pillow. Whereas he's, uh, he's talking to, uh, you know, Francis on the phone. Don't let fear leech your strength. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. That, that's, that's, a good, that's a good motivation. <laughs> Don't let fear leech your strength, which is, you know, let fear get the best of you. But still, I was just like, that's good. I like that. I'm going to stick that somewhere. <laughs> one question I wanted to ask you guys. Do you think Francis was able to reach Hannibal in some human way during that conversation? No. Or was it just as like as a killer or to killer? Celeste? Killer to killer. What? In a human way. Was he able to reach uh, Hannibal on an emotional level for what they were talking about? No. Mm -mm. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer see them human. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought there was a moment there where Hannibal was like, not touched, but like, sensed the comrade. I really like that scene. Really well, cool. I'll give you that. He sensed uh, uh, another, uh, talking to another killer. It's what happened in the first season, where this call is a courtesy, and his courtesy was to tell them they're coming. They're they're like uh, no, oh, yeah. he? he told them that, that the cops. Knew oh yeah, 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 yeah that, that, that they're coming from. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, and in this one, he says they're listening, and then he hangs up. Which if was cool. If anything, he's good at giving a professional courtesy. That's about it. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a human connection. If anything, it was just. A professional courtesy. I fucking love Hannibal for that. They're listening. And just hangs up the fucking phone. I was like, yeah! <laughs> I love how he like walks across and then both Alana and Jack are looking at him like, you fucking <laughs> Do what you're told! <laughs> it's like, no. Because I'm Hannibal. Like, <laughs> it kind of seems like he's like acting out <laughs> between that. Well, like, well, what else does he have to do? Yeah, like, he's bored. But I love how, how he's punished afterwards. And I actually looked up if, he actually, if you actually could take away a prisoner's toilet. At least within the United States, the uh, prisons are, at least within the last few years, actually, before they didn't really care. They let prisons kind of do what they wanted to do while they st while still following, you know, human rights, barely. <laughs> um, legally, uh, prisoners are supposed to have, uh, well, technically, 24 access to all bathroom facilities, whether they're in solitary or not. Um, yeah, no one checks prisons ah. to see if they actually have access so though they are technically supposed to give prisoners bathrooms no one's gonna jump in there and you know say well you know because the first thing you're gonna ask is what did he do to be in there and if you say oh he killed you know 20 people he killed a child yeah yeah he did this and then you would lose all human empathy at that point and be like oh yeah you deserve to be in that hole so i was just i was just genuinely curious like does she have the legal power to take out his bathroom? And, and she does, yeah. Well, she does and she doesn't. It's just very frowned upon. Well, the, uh, in most uh, <laughs> solitary, all they have for a toilet is a hole in the floor that flushes. That the that the that the COs have to. Why am I talking like I'm in prison break? That but the no. correction <laughs> officers have to flush. But it also yeah. depends on the facility. Yeah, exactly. So. But uh, what was I going to say? Um, I was watching i was reading a, a an article about um hospice care in prisons mm. and they actually have to tell like they won't will not tell the medical staff what the people are in for because that will compromise the care mm. so nobody knows like what you're in for just so you're not you're treated properly mm. which is kind of cool and kind of shady too but at the same time it's really not that hard to find out what yeah exactly it's like the the Prisons are a gossipy bunch of bitches, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, fuck the police. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Hannibal saying they're listening was the coolest part of this episode. I love that part. He's just like, because like Francis is pouring his fucking heart out about how he's about to kill Reba. And like Hannibal's like, well, I can't have these assholes listening in. <laughs> yeah. They're listening. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Well, he was he was slowly revealing stuff about himself, so I think that's why he stopped it. It wasn't so much as, oh, you're having a private moment. I'll just cover that for you. It was more like you're revealing stuff about yourself, so shut up. Like he said Reba's name. Like the fact that he already gave out a name to somebody he knows, you know, then it's just a matter mm -hmm. of trying to figure out that other stuff. So if anything, that was it because he'll ruin he'll ruin the fun. He'll ruin the fun. Yeah, exactly. If he go, talks too much. So it really ha that's why I don't think it was anything human. It was just for Hannibal's own amusement. I think that's... that's Damn it, Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that Hannibal doesn't care that they took his stuff. He's just a bitch. I love it. Although I did like how he was looking at her like... He did the slight head turn and tilt and then she said, Take the toilet too. Then he looked away from her like... Like almost purpose like... That doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. But it's like... Kind of I think that would bother bother any, everybody <laughs> not to have a toilet. Well, so. have you ever used a squat toilet? Anybody? A squat no. toilet. Yeah, a squat toilet is basically just a hole in the ground. Like uh, I no, I have shit on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> but like um, the idea of not having a toilet TMI. is the freakiest thing in the world. Like I don't know, it just makes you feel like a freaking animal. No, I never tried it, but apparently it's supposed to be better for your back. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's also better for your bowels because actually sitting uh, bends your uh, your your anal whatever where your poop comes out it, it bends and that's why you feel that strain sometimes so actually a squat position evens it out and it should actually come out it looks, like, a, it looks like an elephant trunk the way you did it yeah well i was trying to use my hand to be a the, the, whatever <laughs> apparently that's why there's lots of squat toilets in japan mm -hmm. so you just squat down yeah, head of, time on your toilet head of the game yeah do your business but i do like love her uh lana's look in this scene though like Gosh, I love her. <laughs> yeah, she's so like cool. I'm just like she has a lot more. Um, uh, she has a lot more authority than I thought Chilton ever had. I really like her authority, even though she's still being screwed over by Hannibal. But still, like she doing what she can with what she's got. Well, the one mistake that she's she'll do her best never to make again, even though she makes little slips here and there, like with the phone calls, um, is to ever think she's smarter than Hannibal. Whereas Chilton thought he was smarter than everybody. So, mm -hmm. even though he's not, <laughs> as we'll learn <laughs> in the next episode. Um, but yeah, it's just, she she knows to be cautious and that Hannibal's always thinking and turning and always playing everybody. Yeah. And always anticipating. Like, he probably anticipated, you know, being a little shit, that he was going to lose all his stuff in his toilet. So, he knew it was coming because she threatened it. So. Yeah, she kept her word. Yeah. Yep. She's a good mother. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, good parenting. Yeah, right. <laughs> your promises. That's it. Back to Winnipeg. <laughs> but Molly telling Will it's tough to hold on to anything good. Yeah, because Hannibal's got all that lube. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to say that. What? Oh, okay, okay. No, 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 I got it. But it just bothers me because I'm like, um, I want to marry Molly now, and I, I hate the fact that she's married to Will because Will only cares about mine palaces. All he cares about is mine palaces. She loves him, too. Like, that smile she gave him when she mm. woke up. Oh, gosh. She deserves better. But again, it was that whole conversation, too, where um, though Molly's talking aloud, and she though she thinks she might be talking to the universe, to me, she was saying it to Will, and Will took it as, she's, she's saying this to me. Where it's like, you know... My son almost died. I almost died. And she was getting upset. And then she's like, oh, I got mad there for a second. And then she comes back to herself. So in that whole conversation, though she, it felt like she was getting mad at the, the Red Dragon or getting mad at Hannibal. She was getting mad at Will. Almost saying without saying, your fault that we're, you know... Which, no one ever actually directly says that shit to anybody because that's very hurtful and it's very hard to take that shit back. But that's the way I took that conversation was she was saying, it's it your fault. fault. It yeah. is. But it's just not, it wasn't bad enough to hear it from Walter. It was bad. Now now he's hearing it from Molly. And, that, yeah. and like well, I said, I always feel like, I don't know if their relationship was ever real. It just feels like we were all living in this little make-believe for a while and hoping that it would last forever and it didn't i mean that's like a lot of relationships too that's true <laughs> you never know if it's like it's going to become real but as long as we're happy together it should be fine until then yeah but sometimes yeah like even being happy is not enough 
And to be fair, though, this is like one of the crappiest tests that any kind of relationship can oh, get. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like let's throw you know an almost near death experience in there. Let's throw some murderers and some gunshots. Let's see how they do. I'm sure they'll be fine. She did handle it well. <laughs> like I'm still like impressed that she drove to the hospital even though she was shot. Yeah, yeah. All the shock did it. I think. Well, no, the uh, adrenaline, uh, the protection of her son mm-hmm. driving her. I'm pretty sure I'd be like. You know, screaming and crying for the first five minutes of driving, and then I'd be like, "Right, gotta be calm, gotta be cool," because you know I got my cry kid later, with me. Cry later. Yeah, so the whole time I'd probably be just breathing. It's like, fuck, this hurts. <laughs> Shit, I got a signal. Okay, here we go. Well, it's the middle of the night. I'm, I'm sure she didn't need the signal. Just, just go wherever you gotta go. But to end this episode, I just want to say. I want Francis and Hannibal to get serial killer married and kill Will. Well, well, yeah. Oh shit! I forgot to write down the quote from the end of the episode. But um, what is oh, what's that thing Hannibal says? Because Will gets mad at like you know Hannibal and Will walking that mirror walking towards each mm-hmm. other. People love using that shit in uh, music videos. Anyway, um, and Will says to them, you know, like, is this a competition? Like, who's the better partner for you? You know, it's like this weird. You know, dynamic, and, and Hannibal actually quotes to him, two of them lay upon my my breast and a brother will kill the other. I don't know how the quote actually goes. I Normally I would write that shit down, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah, he literally makes a quote saying, yeah, I'm seeing which one of you is better. Yeah! And it's just like, <laughs> Hannibal, you fucking bitch, will it never stop? <laughs> and it's like, no. <laughs> as long as he's alive, he's still going to play the game. <laughs> Sorry, I did a nose thing. <laughs> just like, oh, it's, it's mm. surprised me. <laughs> it's still as long as, as long as Hannibal's still alive, the game will be played. Yeah, I said something good. Yeah, <laughs> but, but we try not to give spoiler. But we come to the end of the episode. What was your favorite part of this episode, and why, Celeste? When Hannibal sent bitches, that was funny. <laughs> okay, I forgot, right? Take a butt, had it with you, sons of bitches. <laughs> sons of bitches. <laughs> well, so the, everything was like Molly in that scene. Like, oh gosh, my heart was beating. Mm. I'm so glad she got out. Well, she still was harmed, but she got out with her son. <laughs> mm. And least favorite, also that scene because I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> and also Hannibal. Like I said, like last episode, him and his shenanigans, up to, doing doing trouble, saying hijinks. They're listening. Just goddamn it! <laughs> Such a little brat. Oh man! How about you, JJ? My favorite, you know, it's a love and hate, and it's and it goes all on Hannibal this entire episode. I both love his sassiness, but I also hate how he's being a fucking dick. <laughs> causing this chaos and it's just like at the same time I admire how much he can do just from that little room. Yeah, exactly. How much chaos he can still do in prison. It's like, do you know how many not many people can do that? You know, you know, the most maybe some gangster gangsters can do in prison is they, you know, they still have people on the outside who can do stuff. But they that's a manpower of people. Whereas Hannibal's got like maybe just has a red dragon. He just has words. One guy and words, you he's know? He's just that powerful. He's like the god of chaos. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Loki. He's yeah. the fucking dick. <laughs> I think it says in the next apple. Ne- next apple. <laughs> next episode is that he's the devil. You know? Yeah. So I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> so love and hate of Hannibal. Um, my favorite this episode was a tie between uh their listening. And save yourself, kill them all. That's my favorite. Yeah. I love that. I'm still gonna get that tattooed, but I have to get it tattooed in such a way that it's not obvious, so I don't look like a freaking crazy person. <laughs> you should stick it like on your ankle, where like it occasionally peeks out yeah. and, and still has the risk of being forgotten. So you just literally <laughs> need to like be sitting in a chair in a public place, raise your foot up, raise your ankle up on cross legs, and someone just sitting beside you goes. <laughs> I want to get it next to uh, on my upper fo- uh, my upper arm, like near my shoulder. We'll see. Like I wanted to do it like across, like do the the Instagram girl across the chest thing. But I'm like, no, I don't want to do that on boob. And so uh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> It'll probably be on my side. I'm not sure. We'll figure. Put it, out. it on your wrist, man. That, just for you, facing you. Oh, Save that'd yourself. be cool. Oh, uh, I should do that. Oh, but uh, least favorite was probably. Um, I'm with Celeste. The whole scene with um, 
It was Red Dragon and Molly's House. And I don't mean that as like it was the least favorite in terms of it was terrible, but it was terrible in terms of the horror it gave me. So. Mm-hmm. The emotions. The emotions, yes. Emote. A well, well done scene. Like, and it's so dark yet you still see things. Yeah. And again, you know, the show's progressing really fast, but it still didn't feel rushed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still like the scene's actually very short, but still, you're like the whole time you're like, oh, you're shit. terrified. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, and how quiet it was. Again, I was listening with headphones. Everything is super quiet. And I was like, wow, they're doing a real good job. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make a sound. It's like the quiet place. Yeah, the quiet place. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. I haven't seen it yet. Go see it. It's actually pretty cool. It is Ter- pretty cool. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll go see it. But where can we find you on the interwebs? Let's. You can find me on Instagram and Tumblr at Satuma, S A T U M W A H. You can find me on Tumblr and Twitter as JJ Neeps, J J N E E P S. Or you can find me on Instagram as JJ Neepin Films. And you can find me as Honey underscore Child on Twitter, Honey dash Child on Tumblr. And you can find Hannibal's Honey Abachi on Tumblr. On Instagram and as HH Hibachi on Twitter. And we will be back next week for the second to last episode. Uh, and the number of the beast 666. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. Bye! Bye.